Good morning, friends. I'm so glad that you're joining me uh, for Princeton Online Worship today. We're going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. The past three sermons have looked at the Spirit's work upon people. And today we're going to turn a corner and we're going to talk about the Spirit being promised within people. If you happen to miss communion this past Thursday, I invite you after this service is done to head to the YouTube channel or on Facebook and listen to and participate in communion that you can not only be nourished and sustained from our time together this morning, uh, but you can be fed uh, by the body and blood of Jesus Christ uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's worship together. Let's pray together as we go into God's Word. Lord, we thank you for your Spirit and how your Spirit lives within us and comes upon us, Lord. We pray that your Spirit would work in this moment right now um, at different times and different places here in this world, that your Spirit would work to use the mouths of Emily and I as we speak your word, but as your Spirit too would open the ears and soften hearts uh, to hear the word that you have to speak. We give this moment as an offering to you and for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been working through the Old Testament, looking at how the Spirit has been working, uh, how the Spirit breathed life into Adam and how the Spirit sustains. Uh, and then the last two weeks we've been looking at how the Spirit has become upon people for dynamic action. First week it was talking about Samson and how uh, the Spirit would come upon Samson, rush upon him, and he would do these mighty acts. And then last week we talked about the Spirit, how they would come upon prophets and people to speak, to speak the very words of God, words that were words of hope, but also perhaps words that were words of uh, repentance, that people needed to repent and turn from their ways and once again uh, follow God. When we saw those passages, one of the things we noticed is that the Spirit doesn't always bring life change on people. Uh, we saw that uh, with Samson that his internal um, mind and heart and will was not being formed when the Spirit would rush upon him. It would only be acts of power. But there's going to be a day when that all changes. And Ezekiel, the prophet, is going to speak words from God that God gave him to, to speak to the people. And it was words in which he promised that the Spirit was going to live in them, uh, that the Spirit was going to come within them, that the Lord was going to cleanse them and purify them and make them a temple for the Spirit to live in. Um, this passage comes kind of in the midst of difficulty. It's during... Uh, the exile, so that Israel and all the people are away from Jerusalem, and and uh, yet God still in that place is going to give them a promise of transformation. Uh, God is going to take them from the place where they are to a new place, and God does it by removing and cleansing them and giving them a new heart and giving them the spirit so that they can be obedient to the law. Let's read this passage together from Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. 
I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. As Ezekiel speaks to the Lord's people uh, during exile, what happens is uh, it moves quickly past exile. Uh, the Lord begins to talk about something new that's going to be uh, happening within them, a new spiritual reality that's going to have a kind of ethical results in their lives. The coming spirit is going to do something new, something completely different, something that they've never experienced before, as the spirit is going to dwell within people. But first, but first the Lord needs to cleanse his people because uh, the, the Father, or God, cannot enter um, unholy people. Um, that's why Moses could not see uh, the fullness of God, and, and that's why uh, there were specific ways to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and there was only a certain time where the chief priests could go into the Holy of Holies because people needed to be purified and cleaned beforehand. So the Lord would do that. He would clean them. He would cleanse them. He would give them a new heart. And uh, the Spirit then would live in them. And it was all for the purpose of of moral transformation, inward change, and outward obedience. That last thing, Emily, is really um, the area of struggle for the Israelites and for even for many of us, is that often obedience is what kept the Israelites from truly following God. At times it was their attitude, it was their disposition. In reality, the problem was within their heart that they're, uh, they were unable to, to follow God and, and they needed a solution, some way in which God would help them. God would allow them and help them to follow him and to obedient to his commands. You know, the interesting thing about these two terms, the heart and spirit, in which we find in this passage is they really describe the inner part of a human, the inner human. In Hebrew, the heart is the the locust. It's the focus point of the mind. Not necessarily, we say the heart is our emotions. Uh, use, you know, follow your heart or whatever you want to say. Uh, but the heart was the locus of the mind. It's where thought would come from, where a person's thoughts are, how he thinks, how he decides what he wills, all comes from that. And the spirit is really what is reflecting the aspirations and, and perhaps emotions and feelings. Um, and we see both of those things coming together in this passage where heart and, and spirit are being affected and adjusted. And it's those areas that are bringing about people's attitudes, their dispositions, their motivations, their ambitions. It brings about all of their choices and it brings about all of their actions. And no longer was God going to put a band-aid maybe on, on the equation. No longer was God going to you know, try to circumcise their hearts as, as a metaphor from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30. It wasn't going to be enough. The Israelites needed something more. They needed something more than just a renovation that adjusted a little bit. They needed a complete change because their heart, it had their own ambitions. 
you know, their heart had their own desires and their heart had their own aspirations and disposition and motivation and, and their heart was what caused them to not follow God and, and, and be sent out into exile in the first place. If God gave them a renovated heart, what would be at the core, that me-first attitude, those wills, those motivations and desires would, would likely remain at one, uh, at some under-the-surface level. They don't need just a couple stints put in to increase blood flow in their heart. Their, their, their heart is completely hardened, and it is a cold heart of stone, and they need something more. They need a total heart transplant, the Lord says. They need more radical surgery than just something that's going to affect the surface of their lives and their outward action. It needs to be something that reaches down into the core of who they are so that they can follow. And so God proposes a heart transplant. It's the God who's going to remove that heart of stone which has made Israel hard and cold and unresponsive to his words and to his law and to what he desires of his people. And instead, he will implant a heart of flesh, a heart that's living, a heart that's warm, a heart that's soft, and it's receptive to the Lord. You know, Hebrew speaks of really closeness when you think of, of the word flesh. It's a, a close kinship and an intimate relationship. And when we think about God giving us a heart of flesh is his renewing of that closeness, his renewing of that relationship that he desires to have with us. And among that, God's going to transform Israel's whole mindset, their orientation of their lives and their will, their desire and their purpose will be different. A new heart will be given to you and to me that follows God. It's a new heart that is tender and responsive to God. And the purpose of this heart transplant is wholehearted obedience. You know, the heart of flesh, uh, it shows that God is personal. And we've been talking about how personal God is to us and how intimate the Spirit is within us and uh, our relationship with the Spirit. And even when God is talking through the the prophet Ezekiel, uh, we see that that new relationship that the Lord wants us to be receptive and warm and have an intimate relationship, but it's all for that purpose that we could have obedience in our life, something that uh, perhaps is, is difficult, uh, but the Lord is going to give us all the tools that we need that we can be obedient to his word and obedient to how he is calling and working among us. When I was thinking about what does that look like? What does a tender, responsive heart look like? Uh, it made me think of Plato. Uh, we have a lot of Plato in our house. So, and um, this is an example that I found that became hard. Um, this is what happens when our kids decide that they don't want to listen to the rules <clears throat> of where Plato should be played with. 
and we have a specific you know spot we have a table that um the play-doh is supposed to stay at and don't walk around the house with it don't play with it on the floor don't take it outside don't play with it um on the couch or wherever because not just because um we don't want it to get stuck in something and ruin something else but because it will get ruined if they don't follow the guidelines right um they play with it on the floor it gets dirty it gets dust in it and here it gets it gets dog hair in it and this is another example of this one's kind of crumbly because it's 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 traveled around um there's some dog hair in there there's some dirt there's other play-doh pieces um that's what happens when they don't listen to the rules they don't follow the guidelines they don't they don't play with play-doh the way that it's meant to be played and what happens is play-doh is meant to go back to the container it was designed for um similarly to to us and to the israelites we are designed to go back to god when we don't do that, we turn into hearts of stone, right? Um, our hearts are no longer tender. They're no longer responsive because we've decided we want to do it our own way. We don't want to listen to the guidelines that God puts out for us. And we don't want to um, follow his directions. We want to be like the kid who, who just wants to do what he wants to do and doesn't think about why there are parameters in place. So Play-Doh is designed to be put back in the container, right? Uh, if you've ever played with Play-Doh, you know how that feels when you first take it out of the container for the very first time. It's brand new, it's soft, it's malleable. Um, you know, that's the way Play-Doh is designed. And, and similarly, we are designed to return back to God. Um, and we continue to be soft and malleable when we um, are communing with his spirit within us and we are returning to him regularly, right? Um, this Play-Doh is soft, it's smooth, you can make it into things because it has followed the guidelines of how to be played with. But in comparison, this Play-Doh has, it's still kind of soft, but it hasn't been used within the guidelines. It kind of falls apart, it, it's crumbly, making crumbs all over the table right now. Um, it has dog hair in it. Uh, it hasn't been used the way that it's been designed to be used. It hasn't followed the guidelines. And while it's still, um, it's still, you can make it into some things, uh, it, it isn't be able to be used to its full potential, full capacity. It's like that with us too. When we decide to do what we want to do, and, and we hear that echoed in the, the story of the Israelites, right? They, they decided that they were going to follow their religious routine more than the relationship with God. Um, and so they started to turn into things that weren't as malleable. Their hearts, their minds, their, their souls, they weren't returning to God the way that they were designed. And, and that's what they ended up with, these hearts of stone. Um, and, and with these uh, there, there's not a really good way to take dried out Play-Doh that's turned into rocks and bring it back to softness. It has to be completely replaced. Um, and that's what God is promising the Israelites. That's what he has promised us. Um, but it's our job 
to make sure that we follow the guidelines. Within the Holy Spirit's power, we are empowered to listen and to obey, like Steve was saying. Um, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to return um, and to be motivated to return. Uh, it's our responsibility to respond to him and to keep our hearts tender and responsive, um, just like um, the, the Play-Doh that has returned to the container. So when you're thinking this week, um, you know, if you've got Play-Doh sitting around your house, maybe put it on your counter. Otherwise, think about this. Think about how responsive is your heart right now? Um, is it a little bit more like this, that we've been doing our own thing our own way? Or is it a little bit more like this? How much are you returning to God to stay softened and responsive to him? It's by giving the people the spirit, by replacing their heart and giving them the spirit that the Lord really says, look, I am going to work my way and my will for you to be able to be obedient and fulfill um, the commands that I have set before you. I'm going to give you every possible opportunity uh, to, to have the tools necessary to follow me. And I think it's really important that, that we consider how responsive our hearts are to how God is working in us, how the Spirit is working in us. Uh, those areas in our life that maybe we're, we're keeping back as our own uh, instead of offering them up to the Lord just Last night, Emily and I are recording this on Thursday morning. Uh, just last night, we were asking each other, where is it in this time, maybe this whole time of, of being alone in our own homes, where the Lord is convicting us of what we're doing? Or maybe there's something that we think that we need to uh, repent of or change uh, within our life. Um, and, and she actually asked it more pointed, what about today? Where today has the Lord talked to you? So I think that's some really important questions for ourselves. The Lord is constantly going to be working within us. We call it this big word sanctification, where the Spirit in cooperation with us is going to uh, make us into a new person uh, that reflects the image of Jesus Christ. And it's a process that will not be finished until we're in glory and we have a resurrected and glorified body. So it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 5 years old or 55 years old or 95 years old. The Lord will continually work in your life to shape and to mold you, to adjust your will, your desires, your actions to be that of who Christ is. And so my challenge, I guess, this week is for you to really reflect and think on that. How is the Lord forming you today? What is the Lord asking you to do perhaps differently? It's going to be probably different for every person. But I want to end with this quote by Paul David uh, Tripp, an author. He says, what we need most of all is not a change of location or a change of relationship, but a fundamental rescue of the heart. That's exactly what God's grace in the person of the Holy Spirit is for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that even though it's hard to be obedient at times, that you give us the Spirit 
the Spirit who continually nudges us and works to uh, convict us of areas in which we are not being obedient to you, the areas that we, we hold back from you. So we pray that your Spirit would empower us and speak to us even more clearly now that we would be able to turn from those things, that we would be responsive to your call and to live lives of holiness devoted to you as an offering for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for worship this morning as we uh, learned more about how the Spirit dwells within us. If Princeton Church is a ministry that you regularly support, we want to say thank you for continuing to support Princeton's ministry uh, through one of the two following ways. Uh, one, you can always go to our website and click the donate button and, and donate that way, whether that's to the general fund or for benevolence, for our care for others and, and, and people. Um, but the second way you can do it is you can send a check to 5330 Kalamazoo Avenue, Kentwood, Michigan. And we thank you once again for your continued support of this ministry. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace.